all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hanno. Mm. <laughs> I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Oh, shoot. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> I was like, that didn't sound right coming out. Yeah, you're right. And uh, if you are new to our podcast or if you've been listening to us for a while and don't follow us, please do so at... Mm-hmm. All Bad Things Pod, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Do all of those things. So do we have any housekeeping to take care of before we get started? Well, we do have... Oh, that's right. We Yeah. We have a... An idea. Yes. A, a, is it a poll or a up for feedback? Uh, just to see if anybody's interested, I guess. We, so, could, we could maybe do so a poll. So we're not embarrassing ourselves. Yeah, we could do a poll. But, um, so the other night we, you, you pulled up just as something for us to watch. What was it? The 2000? It was the 2000 Video, video Music, Music Awards. Awards. <laughs> the MTV Video Music Awards. Hilarious. It was so funny. It was so funny. And we kind of got, because reaction videos are really big, right? I, I watch them. Yeah. yeah. Leo, uh, Hasanabi does them. Mm-hmm. That's mostly what he That's does, mostly what right? He does. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we were thinking that if anybody would be interested, we could potentially do a reaction video to like years of yore. Yeah, I have a, I have a couple ideas um, because there's long enough content to I think make it worth the right. There is the 1999 Billboard Music Awards, which I believe there's like an hour and fifteen minutes worth of material. Jeez. And I also came across the 1994 MTV Video Music Awards, which yeah. there was about an hour and 20 minutes worth. Oh, geez. Which is not the whole show, either of them, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Those are both, like, three-hour programs. But what we would need to do it on Twitch? Is that the idea? I think so. Because okay. you can watch a video on Twitch while you're streaming. While you're videoing yourself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that people can see both the video and you. And people can uh, chat. Right. And talk I, I over believe, people in some cases. That's only that's only if you sign up for uh, TTS text to speech. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's huh. what those little things are that you hear, and those are those text to speech are generally those are donations. Oh, okay. Well, we wouldn't be asking for money. No, Mm-mm. but um, we wouldn't be doing the text to speech either. Okay. I know a little bit about Twitch. I do have a Twitch account mm-hmm. that I think one person follows. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> I know somebody. <laughs> It might be Zach. I don't know. <laughs> um, so it's an idea we're throwing out there. I've I've always kind of thought it would be fun to do reaction videos. So if you guys think it would be fun and you want to see us do reaction videos, let us know. Okay. Uh, we'll put It'd out. Just a... be like for fun. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's a holiday weekend. Oh, yeah, you mean let's... this weekend? Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. We have to figure out the technical side of that. Uh, we'll figure it out. Nah needs to figure out the technical we don't need any technical things (laughs) it's only streaming a video why do we need technology we don't we have all the technology we need 
But watching the commercials were the that funniest. Was, that was the best part. That. Whoever recorded that smartly mm-hmm. also recorded the commercials. Some of the commercials from two, like the the cell oh the cell phones in two thousand. Well, the text machines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they hadn't. They fig- weren't. They, they were hadn't, both. They hadn't figured out to combine those two things. No, yet. no. <laughs> At least not in that device. Yeah. And I, honest to God, I think the only time I ever saw anybody use those text machines was when I was living in Rochester mm-hmm. and deaf people used them. That I, I took which ASL. Which obviously makes sense. Mm-hmm. I took ASL classes and from a teacher who used it. And that was probably circa 04. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, it it was a piece of technology that really transformed um, people's ability to communicate mm-hmm. in multiple different ways, including, you know, the deaf community. So, um, I, but I remember he had it. But like, we're like, oh, that's really cool. But nobody else. Had yeah, it, you it was know? just like. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure like his friends or family yeah. or whatever had it, but it was like laser discs. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I I knew I didn't know a single person <laughs> that had a laser disc. But well, except this is actually useful. <laughs> yeah. Well, laser discs were, and I guess, for, for five seconds. It stuck around just in different forms. It did. Yeah. So. It, it's still around. Yes. Just not as its own mm-hmm. machine. Do you know I've started watching? Um, shows with closed captioning partially because like I watch things while I'm like getting ready in the morning and I'll like turn on the blender to make my smoothie and I can I still you, read I it. I hated closed captioning. So I've come <laughs> around on it. <laughs> but you know what I've noticed? That a lot of times they fucking cut out words. Oh yeah. Well, change that's, words. Yeah. And it's just like that's some bullshit. Well, I don't. I also don't think it's intentional. It's literally a computer picking that up as you go along. But no, but it literally like there are clear, clearly stated words that it won't put in there. Oh, so if okay. it's a computer reading it, it seems like it's more like a human behind it being like, whatever, we don't have to put that part in. But I'm like, you're changing the meaning of some of this stuff for the emphasis, you know? And it's I it, I noticed it on Love Island. And then I noticed it on Clickbait, which is a Netflix show. And I was like, Netflix, come on, do better. Speaking of something that was also, like, almost specifically designed for the deaf community was closed captioning. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think explicitly for the deaf and hard of hearing communities. Yeah. 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 Probably elder people, too, who... Yep. Well, a lot of the elderly people are hard of hearing as well. And also can't see, so it was just well, like... <laughs> that's hard. Yeah. S- sort of a... like, like I will be one day. Aw, <laughs> do you think you're going to go... Oh, my eyesight just gets worse and worse by Aww. the year. Like, we yeah. have vision insurance yeah, we now. Do. Yes, Officially, we do. you need to make a, I do an need eye to get, doctor appointment. I do need to get new, uh, new contacts. Not... The same prescription I have. I need a new right. prescription. That is so for sure. So let's continue with medical yes. corner. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, we're all doctors um. now. Anybody who anybody who can get on the internet is a doctor. Just ask Joe Rogan. Yeah, exactly. Um. So uh, <coughs> one other thing I wanted to mention. Um. So you know our friend Matthew from Hong Kong. Yes. Yeah. Joined us on our uh, from mm-hmm. Hong Kong at like yes. seven in the morning. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. That's dedication. Uh huh. Um. A lot. A lot of people showed up for. From in the middle of the night and I early in the morning. I wouldn't watch me from Hong Kong no. at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I wouldn't or, watch you from Hong any, Kong or, or at any time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh. So I kind of remember this. We were. I say I kind of remember this because this is probably like a week or so ago or two ago. Um. 
But we were talking about whether flights from Hong Kong to Dallas exist. Remember we were kind mm-hmm. of talking about yeah. like those long-haul flights? I think they do, don't they? So Matthew said, uh, I actually took this flight from Hong Kong to Dallas. It's like one of the longest flights in the world. In 2019. It was yeah. 16 hours. You cross the Dateline en route. You arrive before you leave. I think that was... <laughs> I think that was the the plot point in Inception. I think that's where they were flying from and to, or vice versa, one or the other. But so you're not really traveling back in time by crossing the international date line. No, no, no. The reason for that flight, the the reason they did it in in Inception, it was Uh because it was such a long flight, they could keep them asleep longer. Remember, that was the dream... Oh, so I never saw Inception. Oh, really? Great movie. I started watching it, I think. Really good. Is Joseph Gordon-Levin in it? He is. Okay. So and your favorite, Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a hard name. I think I started watching it during tax season while I was doing taxes, and I'm like, oh, this isn't a put-it-on-in-the-background movie. No, it's not. No, that's definitely like, you have wait, to watch what it. Was that? Yeah, you have to watch. I like. I didn't understand. They woke up in a bathtub or something. I don't know. It all, it all had to do with manipulating dreams. So it was an interesting concept, and at the time, and they probably still hold up, even though that movie was what ten years ago at this point. The special effects uh-huh. in that movie were fantastic. So completely unrelated. Yeah. But this is on my mind. So I listened to true horror podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly like people who post on Reddit or whatever, they're scary stories. Um, and the number of stories, maybe I'm just, I, I like crossed over from, Ooh, this is creepy to like, shut the fuck up, you idiots on some of these things. Like some of these things are genuine close calls with like creepy people or whatever, but there are literally these stories of people being like, I went to bed and then all of a sudden I was driving down the road and there were bright lights and I had this overwhelming sense of dread and then I woke up again and I was back in bed and I don't usually dream was I abducted by aliens it's like no motherfucker you had a fucking dream <laughs> you just had a this weird so dream shittily boring <laughs> yeah. like or fuck, fuck you read it yeah so anyway speaking of dreams it's really <laughs> fucking boring when people like Ooh, creepy music, and now we're going to build this up? Okay, that was really fucking stupid. Anyway. Tell us how you really feel. Dreams. So, Matthew, thank you. Um, Do you know why Matthew went to Dallas from Hong Kong? To For see, business or something? To see Guns and Rosians. Guns and Rosians? Guns and Rosians. Hey, they're playing here too, Matt. N- now? Uh, like, like, next, like next month. They're yeah. still hobbling around? Well, uh, no, the they're, no, they they are. are rehobbling around. Not not still. <laughs> <laughs> They've been on hiatus for quite a while. Oh, are they the like the? OG I think people? it is. I think it is. Yeah. So it's Axel and Slash. I believe it's and... Axel and Slash and well, Duff, nobody... who are like the founding members of the oh, band. Okay, I was going to say nobody cares who else is. <laughs> uh, I, it might be their <clears throat> their original drummer is dead. I know that. Um, they all are. Not all of them. Um, no, no, I, no, all original drummers and bands. Are oh, dead. that's true. Yes. <laughs> Um, their second drummer, who was Matt Sorum, who I believe was the original drummer in The Cult. Um, I think he's on that tour, too. Okay. I've, like, gone back and, like, do I really want to see, I, and I'm like, I, I kind of don't. Like, I really... Well, Axel's an asshole, and he keeps the audience waiting for hours. Well, Notoriously. That's, him being an asshole is whatever, you know. I mean, they were a great band. Um, if this was 20 years ago, I'd probably be like, hell yeah. But... 
it's not well, 20 years ago. <laughs> do you remember that uh, Chinese Democracy, was it? Was that the album that, like, they it waited forever and terrible. everybody hated it? It was not good. Yeah. I did listen to it, just to, yeah, that's, yeah, whatever. So anyway. We probably should get around we to, probably like, should. what we do, the disaster. Because this is going to be a bit of a long episode. Okay. Um, can I say, shout out to Jordan. Jordan suggested this as well. Nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, this was not something on my radar at all, but when she brought it up, I was like, oh, that def- mm-hmm. it definitely fits. I think so. Um, and this kind of morphed into multiple stories. So Okay. Oh, really? Originally, yes. Okay. What, what, what is are our we beer? drinking? Sorry. Go ahead. This, this episode. We're both this, drinking it. This episode is brought to you by, and no, we're not getting money from anybody, Deep River out of Clayton, North Carolina. Um, but if you want to send us beer. <laughs> One of uh, our listeners commented, like, it's August, because, like, we were talking about pumpkin. Like, it's too early. Yes, we agree. Kind of, but, but these we are still good. like it. Yes. <laughs> so, sorry. Back to our regularly scheduled <clears throat> programming. <clears throat> so, this was originally going to be just about the death of Brandon Lee. Mm-hmm. But once I started doing the research, and once I thought, I'm like, you kind of can't mention the death of Brandon Lee without mentioning the death of his father, Bruce, Bruce Lee, Lee. Mm-hmm. who was... Definitely the more well-known of the two. As, as he's a literally, star, right? He's literally an icon. Yeah. Um, in Brandon, martial arts films, right? And in martial arts Just itself. In martial arts and in general. Brandon didn't get really get the chance to be an icon, be, which we'll get into. Yeah. But uh, after doing the research, um, I decided to change this to the deaths of Bruce and Brandon Lee. So kind of a twofer. Yes. Well, they're... they're connected they are yeah there's there are parallels between both of their deaths it's a weird thing for Mm -hmm. like a father and son to both have fame in a certain way and then untimely deaths Mm -hmm. and i don't know a ton about this i know i once went down a wiki rabbit hole about the death of brandon lee Mm -hmm. so i know some but i don't know much about bruce i'll tell you that i knew very little about him until i did the, and i'm really glad i did the research Um, i I have a dumb question is was his real name bruce it was yeah really Mm -hmm. yes Bruce. Mm-hmm. We'll get we'll get okay. into yes. We will get into why all of that is. Okay. Um, so this is the deaths of Bruce and Brandon Lee. So we are gonna. I'm gonna start this little tidbit with Brandon since that's okay. who I was originally doing gotcha. the episode on. So Brandon Bruce Lee, his oh, full that's name. Oh, that's his full name. Born February first, nineteen sixty-five, was an actor, fight choreographer, and martial artist whose life was cut short at the age of twenty-eight. Mm, he just missed the twenty-seven club he did. by one one year. Uh, on March 31st, 19, uh, 1993, as the result of a stun accident while mm-hmm. filming the movie The Crow. He was also, if his middle name didn't give it away, yeah. the son of legendary actor, fight choreographer, martial artist, director, and mm-hmm. philosopher Bruce Lee. Philosopher? Mm-hmm. Like, oh wow, I didn't know that. His father would also die a tragic death on July 20th, 1973, at the age of 32, Oh wow! from what was ruled as a cerebral edema. Oh. Brandon Lee, who was Bruce's only son, was just eight years old when his Aww. father passed away, which is, yeah. So they died 20 years apart. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Brandon's life and career has drawn parallels to his father as they both died at a young age mm-hmm. and before the release of what would become their breakout movie roles. Oh, wow. So we're going to start with Bruce Lee. So Bruce became kind of more iconic after his death? Is that the idea? He was... Or he was already there. He was... Well, we'll get into that. Okay. We'll get into okay. it. So, Li Junfan. Okay, so that's his real name. That's his Chinese name, I should say. It is not. Oh. Better known as Bruce Lee, was born on November 7th, November 27th, 1940, 
the son of Cantonese opera star Li Hu Chun. He was born in the Chinatown area of San Francisco, California. Mm. Lee's father was on tour with his opera in the United States at the time, which is how he came to be born in San Francisco. So he was born in, in the but, U.S. But he was raised... In, we'll, we'll get into that. Okay. He was raised in Kowloon, Hong Kong, and was okay. introduced to the film in- industry by his famous father and appeared in several films as a child actor in China. That's so cool that his dad was an opera singer. Mm-hmm. That's very... I, I'm just always in awe of opera singers. They're so talented. He was the founder of the martial arts style Jeet Kune Do, or The Way of the Intercepting Fists, a hybrid martial arts philosophy drawing from different combat disciplines that is often credited with paving the way for modern mixed martial arts, or MMA. MMA. Oh, that's interesting. So he kind of made up, well, not made up, but like He kind of took pieces of several disciplines, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into, and kind of made his own thing. Enter the Dragon. That is that Bruce Lee? It is. Okay. Is that his we breakout will, role? We will get into okay. that. Okay. <laughs> so Lee I know is, the crow, but... <laughs> yes. So Lee is considered by commentators, critics, media, and other martial artists to be the most influential martial artist of all time yeah. who bridged the gap between Eastern and Western culture. Mm. He is credited with helping to change the way Asians were presented in American films. Mm-hmm. He was also named one of the 100 most influential people of the 20th century by Time Magazine in 1999. Huh. It's oh, wow. quite an honor. Well, it is, and and probably and it's true. Well deserved. Yeah. Yes, it's very true. Because mm-hmm. um, think think about the time. Think about the year yeah. he was born, 1940. He's a Chinese. He's an American he's of an Chinese Asian descent. American person. Yeah. Who were we just about to get into war with? Not China, obviously. No, no, Asia. Yes, mm-hmm. we were about to inter mm-hmm. American citizens of Asian yes. descent. Yes, we were. So yeah, and uh, I, America's I, not good with. And I never thought about his. The time period he existed in until I did this research and who he was as a person because it it makes him all the more incredible. Mm. It, like it really does. So his early martial arts experience included Wing Chun. Uh, he trained under the legendary Ip Man, who had a movie made about him in 2008. Uh, his other training included Tai Chi in boxing, and he won the Hong Kong School's boxing tournament while he was a teenager. That kind of makes sense that he would, because st- Tai Chi and boxing are about as like polar opposites mm-hmm. as they come. Because Tai Chi is nonviolent. Uh, it's, so, uh, to my understanding, I've never practiced Tai Chi, but to mm-hmm. my understanding, Tai Chi is like a it's very movement. slow, deliberate movement, yeah. and is not combative, mm-hmm. as I understand. That's how anyway. I understand it too. Yeah, boxing clearly is yes. very combative. That's the whole. Combat. That's the whole goal of boxing. <laughs> you can't exactly box with yourself. <laughs> He was also known as a street fighter who frequently participated in rooftop fights. Apparently, that's still a thing oh, wow. in China, like to this day. That's like that's like just kinda, a thing. Is it kind of like the backyard f- fights in South Florida? I, sort I of guess, thing? Like yeah. The, I, I guess that's just like the, the thing. underground, yeah. sort of. Except it's on the rooftop. Yeah, it still goes on to this day. It's just like a, it's a thing. Well, uh, I, you know what? It's probably <clears> like um, jamming, like jam band. Like you're, you get your little local musicians together to jam and it's like well but what if you're not a musician see jam bands would be much more interesting if they fought each other like that would, <laughs> that, that i would go see like i don't i don't want to go see a jam band like beat I the mean, shit like out of each jam, other and then and then, and then and then and then went back to playing their song and then somebody fucked see, up the grateful dead would be so much better if, if they, they fought. just hit each other yeah they, they would be Dave highly Matthews, entertaining come yeah. On. yeah i wouldn't fall asleep like uh, listening to it that way <laughs> Uh, so he was also, uh, oh, I already said that line. 
So Lee, uh, Bruce Lee moved back to the United States at the age of 18 to attend the University of Washington, Seattle, known to the locals as UW. UW. He was already a film star in China when he began to attend college in the United States, unbeknownst to his peers. In 1961, while on a date with his future wife, Linda, they Aww. went to see the film Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> Audrey Hepburn. Uh, well, and another actor. When he saw the ignorant portrayal of Asian Americans in American <gasps> film... Oh my god, I've never seen the movie, but I have heard it's pretty shit. I watched it on YouTube. It's Did pretty you? bad. Oh god. In this case, the role played by Mickey Rooney... Oh, Jesus Christ. It's pretty bad. Mickey and- Rooney's the guy from, like, National Velvet, right? Um, Known for being kind of below average height. I guess. I don't know. I just okay. know the name, and I know that he was. he's now infamous for this role. Jeez. Um, I do do remember reading some... I've never seen the film. I do remember reading something about, like, oh, yeah, there's also that really shitty bit. Now, today people... Is it blackface, basically, but with with a person? uh, Yeah, kind of. Yeah, basically. Because he's a white person. Mickey Rooney's a white person. Yes, it's like John Wayne playing Genghis Khan. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Which is something I also Except watched. Is it more? Is it meant to be more like insulting? Oh God, yes. Yeah. Oh God, you got to remember too. This is 1961. Uh, we have come out of World War II and we're about to get into Vietnam. So <laughs> it is like people can oh pick apart God. movies today and like he didn't move like this and he didn't say this, so that's racist. Okay, if like that's what you're gonna think, then fine. That's but this, like, if you watch this, like, there's no, there excuse. is no, there, like, there is no two ways about it being like racist as fuck. Like, it's, it's, it's it, hard to watch because it's like so embarrassing. It's all caricature. Yes, and, like just gross. It's just and like, disgusting. it's just like, it's like, did people really think this yes. racist? And it's like, yes, yes they did. The answer is yes, and that's bullshit. the answer is no because systemic racism is not real. We all oh, know that's that. right, we, and we don't need critical race we theory. Don't. Never mind, not at all. We don't. We don't need to teach our kids to do anything different than we did. That's right. We were perfect. We got it right the first time. That's exactly. why our planet's burning. Yes. So uh, Bruce Lee internalized that experience and sought oh, to portray geez. Asian Americans in a positive light. If he ever ever became successful in the American film industry, that's awesome. That's a very like. That's a very well. Imagine gallant, imagine adorable. being on a date with your his oh, wife, wife who was white, mm-hmm. American, you know, California white girl, uh-huh. and like seeing that like how embarrassing that would be, and insulting. Ugh. Everything. Yeah, everything. Degrading, disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, that's ugh. that's hideous. It was during this time that he began teaching martial arts with the goal of opening up martial arts studios all across the country. So that's what he was ah. originally wanting to do. He so had no like, interest we're in... Gonna make, we're going to bring this to America. Mm-hmm. Make this a franchise. That's okay. Businessman. Oh, yeah. Um, at the 1964 Long Beach International Karate Championships, he caught the eye of celebrity hairstylist Jay Sebring, who was, <gasps> in, who was in attendance... Do you know who that is? I fucking know who Jay Sebring oh, okay. is. I have no idea who that he is. He fucking died at Cielo Drive. He was man- mur- man- murdered by the Mansons. Oh, Jay I didn't know. Jay Sebring was murdered by the Mansons. I didn't, obviously, I didn't do a deep dive on Jay Sebring. Yes. He was friends with Sharon Tate and was hanging out with her. 
and Abby Folger and all the others at Cielo Drive when fucking Charlie Manson's crew pulled up and he died along with everybody else because of those fuckwads. And, uh, That's Nat- Jay Sebring. And uh, Trent Reznor would record uh, The Downward Spiral at that house. Apparently, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, so I didn't I didn't know that. I, didn't, I mean, never heard of like this guy. I mean, this like five years earlier, mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh, so Sebring, who was in attendance, informed his client and Hollywood producer William Dozer of Lee's physical abilities. When Lee returned home, he had a message from his now wife, Linda, that Hollywood producer William Dozer was offering him a screen test. Hmm. Dozer was so impressed with Lee that he offered him a supporting role as Cato for the comic book adapted television show The Green Hornet, oh. which ran for one season and 26 episodes from September 1966 to March 1967. Okay, a couple things. One, I do have, I've never watched the Green Hornet TV show, but they played the reruns on FX when I was growing up. Okay. Along with Wonder Woman Bruce and Lee. stuff. Mm-hmm. I did not know that was Bruce Lee. Um, I also didn't know the Green Hornet only ran for one season. One season, yep. I was under the impression it ran for a lot longer. Mm-mm. So after that, he had bit parts in other television shows, but his career in America could never get off the ground, mostly due to his accent. Oh, that's shit. Well, and, well, because of, I mean, the, people are making fun of mm, people's accents. I was going to say. Mickey Rooney's making fun of people's Keep accents. this time period in context, because it's it's key. Um, Ugh, I, You know, I like to think that we've kind of gotten over at least that, where people aren't mocking the way people speak. Well, well, nowadays. All, as much. Well, nowadays, you can just stream a television show from Korea or China or whatever. And well, it's it kind very of doesn't, popular, and it doesn't, too. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter. You get the subtitles. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I like to think that we're maybe moving past people I think we doing have. shit things, yes. like making fun of how people speak. That's, I think we have for the most part. That's bullshit. It, yeah. It's never going to completely go away. No, but... because there's only going to be fuckwits. So, in 1970, he returned to Hong Kong, where he became a star again having written, directed, and starred in the movies The Big Boss and The Way of the Dragon. His oh, Hong- it's not Enter the Dragon? We're, we're, oh, oh, we're getting okay. To that. oh, okay. I didn't know. Okay, There's sorry. a lot of dragons in his film titles. Okay, lots of dragons. <laughs> lots okay. of dragons. Well, uh, yeah, okay, gotcha. His Hong Kong-produced films elevated the tra- traditional martial arts film to a new level of popularity and acclaim worldwide, sparking a surge of interest in the nation of China and Chinese martial arts. The direction and tone of his films dramatically influenced and changed martial arts and martial arts films worldwide. So having attracted an international audience with his Hong Kong films, Hollywood came calling once more for an idea of a Hollywood-slash-Hong Kong co-produced uh. martial arts film. The project was originally called Blood and Steel, but the name was later changed to... Enter the Dragon. Yes. So this also seems to be. So this, we're getting into like early seventies or this, something. This, uh, yes, we're getting into that. Okay, so so that this era, like sixties into the seventies, wasn't this also the era of like spaghetti westerns? Oh and yeah, stuff? big time. So, mm-hmm. so I feel like there's a more international approach to different movie, different genres, rather. Really, like, for the first time, you're having inter- international influence in Hollywood. The reason those movies, those westerns, are called spaghetti westerns is because they're made in Italy. No, they were made by an Italian director. Uh, well, some of them were actually filmed in. Were they in Italy? Maybe. I don't think so. Maybe I'm thinking of um, Final Justice, featuring Joe Don Baker from Mystery <laughs> Science Theater. <laughs> That, that was, was a spaghetti western. Yeah. That was that was in Malta though. 
Never mind. Okay. Yeah. I'm going off. Yeah. But yeah. I, let's let's not put Joe Don Baker in the same <laughs> no. category as no. Bruce Lee. <laughs> no. Oh my God, no. Or I would even not me- defile the name of Bruce Lee or by even, or mentioning him in the same sense. Or even mentioning the two names within days of each no. other. Or weeks. <laughs> no. So But just international collaboration, I guess. Well this is the first but yes, Hollywood at this time is starting to get a little international spice to it. A little bit. Not a whole lot, but a little, little Starting bit. Starting to be like, hey guys, maybe we're too white? <laughs> well, this is also at the time Hollywood studios are realizing that their movies are getting more and more popular on a worldwide scale. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and and we're about to enter the 70s, which is kind of often considered like a golden Oh, we're in the movies. 70s now. Yeah, okay. Yes. Where, where there's a lot more um, grittiness to movies. Yes. So they're willing to take more chances mm-hmm. commercially. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so the project that was originally called Blue Steel was changed to Enter the Dragon during production. Okay, that was a good move because otherwise Blue Steel, forever... Blood and Steel. I think I said oh, Blue Steel. Oh, you did say Blue Steel. <laughs> I did, Blood I and Steel. I was like, then it will forever be associated with Zoolander. <laughs> <laughs> he has the, the look, but he can't turn left. The film was released on August 19th, 1973. Now keep that date in Bruce okay. Lee's death in mind. August 19th, 1973. And was an immediate international success. Hmm. The film grossed $93 million worldwide. Back then? That's $521 million today on an $800,000 budget. (gasps) And to this day is the most successful martial arts film ever made, along with being one of the most profitable films in Hollywood history. I was going to say, what other movies? The most profitable movie in history in Hollywood today is uh, the first uh, Paranormal Activity. Oh, wow. That was made for like 20 grand and it worldwide made like. I, th- I honestly think like four or five hundred million, like Jeez. something stupid like that. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. But well, still, that's just fucking impressive. Yeah, and the guy that I saw uh, a documentary on Paranormal Activity, the guy that bought it and funded it, specifically did so because he passed on the Blair Witch Project, and he was like, "I'm never letting that happen again." Well, he, the, he and the Blair Witch it. Project is also, I think, that's the second One most profitable. The- and also up there is Deep Throat is one of the most profitable Hollywood. Oh, really? Yes, it is. Well, um, I've seen it opened clips. It, it opened in theaters. <laughs> I've seen clips yes. and the production value. Not great. tell, though. It's the 70s. Yeah. You know. Not a bush. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit of Cheney. So, yeah. It's just a, I don't know what that even means. It's Nobody just does. A joke. We'll just roll with it. Uh, however, Bruce Lee never got to see the final cut of the film. Oh, so August 19th. Yes. So on May 10th, 1973, Lee collapsed during an automated dialogue replacement session for Enter the Dragon at Golden Harvest Studios in Hong Kong. Is that like an overdub? Yes. Okay. Mm, that's exactly okay. what that is. Which is pretty standard from what I understand. Like, well, and this was this movie was intentionally going to have an international release. Yep. Mm-hmm. So... But, um, but it's my understanding that even in, like, completely one-language films... Sometimes the audio doesn't. It doesn't up line up yet. with, and like, it doesn't line up to... with the mouth sometimes. Yeah, which is, it does. That's kind of that's kind of where this trope com- that trope comes from is from these overdubbing yeah. films. Well, yeah, I mean sometimes they really. The gods must be crazy is an example of like all of the dialogue dialogue was completely overdubbed, mm-hmm. and it is a little great movie weird by the way. Watching I weird seen it movie. Since I was a child. I haven't seen it since I was like a teenager, but I remember I couldn't stop watching it, even though it was. <laughs> slow and kind of boring it was there was something fascinating I just about a it coke bottle yep, that's that's, uh, that's what the whole movie revolves been around just since i've seen it 
Uh, so, so he collapsed. He did. Just collapsed during a recording session. Yes. So he was suffering from seizures and headaches oh. and was immediately rushed to Hong Kong Baptist Hospital where doctors diagnosed a cerebral edema. However, they were able to stop the swelling on this occasion. So an edema being the swelling mm-hmm. and cerebral being in the cerebellum, mm-hmm. which I think is so. in yeah. the brain. Sure. <laughs> Has, All of our smart people yes. will correct us. Has something to do with the brain. <laughs> yes, the cerebral means brainish. So on July twentieth, nineteen seventy-three, Bruce Lee was in Hong Kong uh, again to have dinner with actor George Lazenby. Okay, so he had recovered. He I did. Mean, okay, yes. I was moving on. And now they're getting ready to do um, promo. Yes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And talk Press. about and talk mm-hmm. about sequels and other films and yep. press and marketing mm-hmm. and all the administrative stuff that yep. goes on behind the scenes yep. in the film. So Lee was in Hong Kong to have dinner with actor George Lazenby or Lazenby. I've never heard of him. Uh, I have heard of him, uh, with whom he intended to make a film. Okay. According to Lee's wife, Linda, Lee met producer Raymond Chow at 2pm at home to discuss the making of the film Game of Death. Ooh, that's a good name. It is. <laughs> I like that. They worked until 4pm and then drove together to the home of Lee's colleague, Betty Ting Pai. And now this uh, is who, in Hong Kong, you said? It was, okay. yes. Who was a Taiwanese, uh, famous Taiwanese actress. Okay. The three went over the script at Ting's home and then Chow left to attend uh, a dinner uh, dinner meeting. Okay, so they're just bouncing to different yeah. business meeting mm-hmm. things. Okay. So later, Lee again complained of a headache and Tim Ting gave him the painkiller Equagesic which contained both aspirin and the tranquilizer meprobamate. meprobamate. And this is in 1973, Three. so there's probably mm-hmm. some pharmaceutical shit floating out there. Probably. I mean, there is now. Think about what was around yeah. in 1973. Um, so around 7.30 p.m., uh, Bruce Lee went to lie down for a nap. When Lee did not come for the dinner meeting, Chow came to the apartment, oh, no. but he was unable to wake Lee up. A doctor was summoned and spent 10 minutes attempting to revive Lee before oh, no. sending him by ambulance to Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Lee was declared dead on arrival oh, at the age of 32. 32! Just, and all the things he accomplished by that age. It's yeah. Just, it's well, just it amazing. Well, it sounds like he, he was going to break into, like, even more There's a lot of success. There's a lot of stuff I left out because I didn't want to go too into the weeds. Because I, gotcha. I wanted to do both people. But, I mean, you could do... A fucking five-part series on Bruce Lee's life alone. I mean, he's a legend mm-hmm. having died at 32. I'll put it to you this way. He died before I was born. Mm-hmm. I knew who he was growing up. I think like, that's how, knows who Bruce and Lee I, is. And you just know the name. You're like, oh, the martial arts guy. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you just knew. He's, in he's the, literally he's iconic. He's woven into the fabric of the culture yes, so deep absolutely. that everybody kind of knows who he yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, even though he died four years before I was born, yeah. I still knew, knew who he was. You he know. died almost 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jeez. 48 God. years ago. It's hard to believe, but yeah. Because <clears throat> it was July you said <clears throat> that he died? Uh, Because the film Yes, July 20th, August. 1973. Okay. Um. So yeah, he was 32. Mm. So and Le- had an 8-year-old and a wife. And, and, a, and a daughter as well. And a daughter. Mm-hmm. Oh, younger or older, do you know? Uh, Shannon was younger than Brandon. I okay. think three years Three or four Aww. years younger. So, yeah. He so left behind two, two kids. kids. and a wife. Mm-hmm. And just, and like, clearly, Just out of the blue. And the thing is, fit as fuck. Oh, God, yeah. If you see him in his movies, like when he flexes. Like, there's no It's just like, anywhere. no. It's just like, how. <laughs> it's just like, how can somebody uh-huh. be like that? Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so you do not expect a healthy 32-year-old no. with no other complications. Well, he had had like this happen had once thing. before. Yeah. D- are, are you going to get into what happened? Like, why this happened? Or did they not ever really. They, okay. It's just... it's It just happened. It just happened. Well, that's the... You know, yeah. that's the fucking thing about life, man. Mm-hmm. You can have a, an aneurysm and not know. That's how my friend Richie died. God. Just fucking out of the blue. Ha- literally. When he was 29 years old. Literally. It doesn't even need a trigger. Nope. But something is... Something tiny could trigger it. Yeah. It's... That's fucking... Like, the body... It's just not, body it, is a ticking time yeah. bomb. Can be a ticking time bomb. I mean, bomb. it's... Ultimately, what it is, is just... It's... It reminds me of... Uh, I don't know if anybody uh, listening knows who Jeff Buckley is. Yeah. Maybe some... You do. Maybe some people my age might. Um, he was a minor star. He did um, hell, a cover of Hallelujah. He did. That was really people popular. would probably know that. Um, his first album, which is kind of his only original album, um, is fantastic. Check it out. Um, but uh, he went to another. Swim, right? Yeah, he drowned. Oh yeah. But uh, and he was twenty eight too, yeah, twenty eight or twenty nine. He just missed the twenty seven club as well. Uh-huh. Um, I can't remember who the musician was, but I was watching a documentary about him, and he said it's almost as if he was too beautiful to live. Mm. And like, that's how I, I and like, that's how I feel about after researching Bruce Lee. It's like, Mm. it's like, it's like if, if God is a jealous God, then in this, in this instance, then yes, he is a jealous God. Cause it's just, it's just not fair. Like it's, for somebody to be so talented, this person and just the things he did and his philosophy and, and what he, what he means to, especially to Asian Americans, yeah. he means a lot, especially at this time. Well, and you he, have to remember the time he was coming yes. up in mm-hmm. when racism towards Asian Americans yeah. was probably on par with black people, if not even more. Like it's, well, it, it was a, it was, we don't need to have a suffering competition. We don't, but, <laughs> but just to put it into context. It's bad. Things, yeah. uh, white people are just hideous against everybody. So yes, it was terrible. Yeah. So, was, and that he had a, a deliberate vision of yes. like, I just saw like with my future wife, mm-hmm. like having to sit next to my future wife, seeing how like my, my culture is being portrayed, is being portrayed in white America and the bullshit that it is. Mm-hmm. But instead of like also and, and, too, and also there was no counter to it at the time. Yes. But you know? he also very wisely was like, Well, I'm not just gonna like go running my mouth about this, especially with no platform. It's not like there was social media back then. But like I'm going to change this perception. Yeah. Like that's very noble. Yeah. And, and he, he and did. He did. It worked. <laughs> yes. It really worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I mentioned the the screen test earlier. You can actually watch that screen test on YouTube, and it's fascinating how mm. there's probably been another, uh, uh, no other quicker human being that has ever existed. Like physically fast, yes. moving quickly. Yeah. Like just the things. I, I just did. Yes, like the, I just moved my hands really fast because I don't know how. To, but imagine I'm like not the quickest. Imagine ever. being able to go like thousands of times fast. I mean, it's Jeez. it's just it's. A marvel to look at. It's just yes. like, how can somebody be that quick? Like, it's not humanly possible, or it's not supposed to be, yeah. except for him. Um, so, Lee's wife, Linda, returned to uh, her hometown of Seattle, where the Lee, mm-hmm. they also had a residence. They had a residence in L.A., Seattle, and in Hong Kong. Okay. Uh, that had, all makes sense. Mm-hmm, and had Lee's body buried in Lakeview Cemetery in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he loved Seattle. That was, like, Aww, his favorite. that's, that's mm-hmm. sweet. 
Well, and also if if she was going to stay in the states, mm-hmm. it would be um, where the kids could go visit mm-hmm. and stuff. Like and that, that is where she wanted to raise the kids too. Was, was back Seattle. in the United States or yep. just in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Bearer's at least funeral on July 25th, 1973 included Steve McQueen, oh, wow. James Coburn, and Lee's brother Robert. Uh, those are two big uh, Hollywood heavy mm-hmm. hitters. Wow. Around the time of Lee's death, numerous rumors appeared in the media. Lee's iconic status and untimely death fed many wild rumors and theories. God, why does that shit never change? And imagine, and especially at this time, nobody has the internet to verify. So if you put something in like the the but village also, voice, but also nobody has the the internet to spread these rumors. But you this have is you have being spread in the press, right? But you have local newspapers and yeah. stuff like that. You know, um, what so, were they saying? So these included uh, a murder theory involving the triads, which are a Chinese mob Okay, outfit, I have heard of that, yes. And a supposed curse on him and his family. Oh, come on. Rumors that persist to this present day. A curse? Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I'm not going to dog on if there's some sort of, like, uh, uh, folk belief or something like that. But if any fucking white Americans think that there's a curse on, Br- on Bruce Lee, like, God. <laughs> like fuck off yes and so now um so that was the death of bruce lee and okay. now that i think about it i probably could have put in more stuff that i left out but that's anyway. okay that's okay um like i said because we're doing two different people I, yeah. I didn't want to go too far into the weeds on either of them i gotcha that's um, understandable. so now now on to brandon lee okay so brandon lee was born on february 1st 1965 as i had stated previously at east oakland hospital in oakland california which is Bay Area, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, from a young age, Lee learned martial arts from his father, obviously. Uh, yeah. Makes that tracks. <laughs> yes. The Lee family lived between Hong Kong and Seattle and Los Angeles mm-hmm. due to his father's career. Mm-hmm. Visiting movie sets as a child made Brandon want to pursue acting. Well, that makes sense. Afterward, after, the, were, uh, after the death of his father, the Lee family moved back... <clears throat> excuse me. The Lee family moved back to Oakland... Which included his younger sister, Shannon. Okay. Lee started studying with uh, Dan Inasanto, one of his, one of his father's students, when he was hmm. nine years old. That's, that's kind of nice. It's like, okay, somebody who my dad taught is teaching me. That, that's, that makes and sense. And we're going to kind of get into that. Hmm. Um, later in his teens, Lee also trained with Richard Bustillo, who was also one of his father's students, and Jeff Amata, who was a Hollywood stuntman, martial artist, and actor. Amada said that when Lee was in his teens, he was struggling with his identity, and having to train in dojos, which included large photos of his father, troubled mm. him. That, you know... It's, it's, man, can I... I totally talk about living an identity up to, crisis. Yeah. yeah. So... How am I going to live up to that? In multiple ways, because first of all, he is... He's, he's a kid. He's a Chinese-American, and he's mm-hmm. half-white. Mm-hmm. So already there's like, like anyone who's sort of, I can, I can see identity. He'd be struggling being, with that alone. Being kind of easy to yeah. fall into because He would of that. likely be struggling with that well, alone. Well, or just possible. That's mm-hmm. possible. But then you, you are interested in martial arts and acting and your dad is like the gold standard of martial arts actors. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, like, can you imagine being like, okay, I'm going to go train at the sport that I really want to pursue and it's my passion and you walk into like the training facility and there's a huge like blow up picture of your dad who's, mm-hmm. because he's like again the gold literally standard. uh even at this point an icon yeah 
I mean, it's it's it can't be easy. No, like, it would be you know, weird like, and difficult. I think about that of like you know, sports stars like famous Hall of Famers and their sons or brothers or whoever who, and it's just like you're never you're never gonna escape that shadow. You're just not. Think of because you know? we watched that um that Netflix show about um Christy Martin the fighter. Mm-hmm. Think of Layla Ali. Yeah. Like she she was she kind of did she kind of did trailblaze a path on her own because well, she was a she, female now, boxer. She did have the I guess quote she had the name yeah. of being like yes it was a slightly different thing because it was women's boxing but um but still it's like oh that's Muhammad Ali's daughter mm-hmm. not that's Layla it's right. no that's Muhammad Ali's daughter yep. so yeah that'd be growing up in a shadow would be. Of anybody famous, a sibling, a parent, a yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's, it can't be easy. And being a teenager is shit to begin with, it's, let alone you that's put not all easy that either. on it. It's yeah. easy for like literally 5% of teenagers and like that's it. I'm not even <laughs> sure if it's that high. I think I think it is that high. Yeah. Because <laughs> that means it sucks for 95% of everybody else. I think else, it sucks for is, 100%, yeah. frankly. Yeah, Just probably. <laughs> uh, so according to Amada, again, one of the people he trained under... Mm-hmm. Uh, this led Lee, because seeing his father's pictures all over these dojos, um, this led uh, Brandon Lee to leave martial arts in favor of pursuing a career in soccer. Uh, yeah, I can see just being like, look, I'm something else. let me make a name for myself somewhere else. Yes. So both would reconnect reconnect later in their film career, with Amato working as stunt and fight coordinator in several of Lee's upcoming films. Huh. Meanwhile, Lee was a bit of a rebellious high school student, which is also kind of understandable. That's that's sort of a redundant Yeah. Statement. Of course. <laughs> All high school students. In 1983, four months prior to his graduation, Brandon Lee was asked to leave the Chadwick School for misbehavior, and he received his GED later that year from a different high school. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't consider it... In fact, I would consider it, like, a mark in your favor for street cred that you get kicked out of a school called the Chad. I know, school. right? <laughs> also, holler for the the GED um, obtainers, of which go. I am yes, one. Yes, you are. Yes, a homeschooler who dropped out after uh, junior year and just went ahead and got my GED. Yeah. Yeah, and you've, it's legit. And you've since uh, gone on to pursue a master's degree. Yes, <clears throat> I'm in. That's in the works. Yes, well, that's why I'm saying pursue. But you, yes. you'll do it. I have, I have, I have ultimate faith. Oh, thank you. I really do. It's, I'm in my data analytics class now. It's actually not that bad. So after high school, Lee pursued acting. So now he's going back down that path. Mm-hmm. So he pursued acting in New York City, where he uh, took acting lessons at the Lee Strasberg Theater oh, and Film my Institute. God. And then went on to Emerson College in Boston, Massachusetts, where he appeared in several stage productions. So here's the thing. Have you heard of the Lee Strasberg Institute? It sounds familiar. Yeah. Like, that's a fucking legit institution uh, for, like, classical actors. Okay. Lots of famous people went to Lee Strasberg. He's, like, a famous, famous school. Um, And then Emerson is also, like, a Mm -hmm. highbrow school. So, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing his family was pretty well set financially. So that I'm, I would helped, guess so. But, yeah, I would guess so. But I also, well, I mean, I was going to say, it's not like you can just buy your kids way into college, but we've learned that. We already, yes, we, we, but, we know you literally can. But it <laughs> whether, also sounds whether like they, you have talent. Whether they have time to go to that college or not and want to do other things on the side. 
you know, but yeah, that's another story. No, but it sounds uh, like he was trying to make a name for himself. I think he was. Yeah. I, I think I, again, doing the research on him, doing the research on both of these people, they both appear to be driven. Bruce Lee's drive initially was, I want to open martial arts studios all over the country. Yeah. And it switched to portrayals. And, and if I become successful in Hollywood films, which again at the time was not even on his radar, it yeah, wasn't something. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was literally just a chance encounter mm-hmm. with this Jay Sebring guy, mm-hmm. which got him a screen test. Mm-hmm. But he internalized seeing the Breakfast at Tiffany's movie, saying like, mm-hmm. if I ever make it in American films, I'm going to change. I'm this. going to change the yeah. portrayal of. Mm-hmm. So they both had a drive, just mm-hmm. in. And I'm sure Different Brandon directions. Lee's drive was, I want to be known as my Mind own. person. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he then followed his uh, father's career path with leading appearances in the Hong Kong-produced action film Legacy of Rage. Nice. In these, 1986. These are the best. They're fantastic. <laughs> and the straight-to-video film Laser Mission Ooh, in Laser 1989. Space Force Laser Mission. <laughs> Lee also appeared in two spin-offs of the 1970s series television series. Uh, television series. The I 1970s like that, I television series. I forgot to edit that whole part. <laughs> Kung Fu, which initially was supposed to star his father. Uh, the television film Kung Fu the Movie in 1986 and the television pilot Kung Fu the Next Generation in 1987. Now this is like during like Karate Kid era too, Yes, right? it is. Yep. So this is getting very westernized mm-hmm. and very mainstreamed martial arts at Absolutely. this point, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, transitioning to Hollywood productions, Lee first starred in the Warner Brothers produced buddy cop film Showdown in Little, T- Little Tokyo in 1991. I feel like I've heard of that. Which co-starred who's the greatest actor in movie history? Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> That's an always sunny in Philadelphia (laughs) reference for those that didn't catch it, including my wife. (laughs) There's only one right answer, Dolph Lundgren. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Dolphin Q Lundgren. (laughs) While it did not do well with audiences and critics upon its release, it has since achieved cult film status. A lot of... Bad movies do. I have seen that movie. Um, I remember it was on HBO. I I thought it was okay. Um, This was followed by a leading role in Rapid Fire in 1992, Mm. which I believe was an HBO. I believe was an HBO production. I did see that movie as well. Um, HBO back in the day put out a lot of like B movies. Mm. Like they weren't necessarily straight to video. They were like straight straight to HBO. They had like their own. I'm pretty sure that was one of them. Well, you know what's so funny is that used to be like a a dig of quality, right? But now, I mean, like once you ushered in the era of like Oz and the Sopranos and stuff, and that, streaming that legitimized straight to consumer. Well, it legitimized like it doesn't bypassing the movie theater, right? It legitimized like it doesn't have to be in the movie to be a good. Mm-hmm production like it can just be a good production on its own and frankly i'm not sure the next time i'm gonna be comfortable going to a movie theater it's there's been just almost nothing two years. no i mean safety wise uh, there's nothing coming out that i'm really interested in seeing that's kind of but, but i have wanted to go to the movies there's I really nothing have. coming out that i'm willing to sit for two hours with god knows who complying or not complying it's with true. any sort of restrictions for we do live in north carolina <laughs> we don't live in Alabama, which or is Florida, plus, or Texas. <laughs> yes, thankfully. 
Um, oh yeah, by the way, just uh, just in case anybody doesn't follow us on, on Facebook or anything, um, if you're in Texas and you're a person who needs an abortion, uh, <laughs> you just let us know. Let us know, seriously. We will fucking figure it out for you, because goddamn, those fuckers will not win. Period. End of story. No. Well, well they're winning right now. They're just not going to stay winning. Let's hope. Well, and if they do, then it'll come time to fisticuffs over it, huh? Uh, that's... That's where I see it going, but that's that's a different topic. Uh, so while the film itself, uh, Rapid Fire, was not well received, Brandon Lee's performance was met with praise from a majority of critics. Now that is a big thing because mm-hmm. that happens a lot. Like mm-hmm. shit films, like the film like, sucked, you know but his performance was good. Because what that means is that. I actually think that takes more talent because if you have great material, it kind of like lends itself. There are plenty of movies with like a grade A writer, grade A director, grade A co stars that turn out to be shit. I mean that that yeah. that happens. Yeah. You know? I mean it's but not. But it's a... not because of those people. It's right. the material. And right? there are plenty. There are plenty of instances where this happens as well. Yeah, the movie shit. Like pretty much everything about it sucks, except for this person. They're really good in it. Yeah. yeah. So that's that says something. You know, that's <clears> like <throat> you were given nothing, but you made something of it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, later that year, Brandon Lee was cast in the lead role in the film ad- adaptation of the comic book slash graphic novel The Crow. Oh. Winning the role over actors nobody has ever heard of since, Johnny Depp, River Phoenix, <laughs> and Kristen Slater. Jeez, those guys were hot. Oh, at that time? Then. Huge. They were like the... Kristen Slater now is kind of like, eh. But at that time, Kristen Slater was a big name. You um, know who he played recently? I haven't finished watching it, but um, Betty... Oh my God, why am I blanking on their last name? Broderick. Know. Okay. Um, Don't know so who that is. Betty Broderick fucking shot her ex-husband or estranged husband. I forget if they were... Div- I think they were divorced. And his wa- new wife, like, fucking point blank range. Okay. Because he... Granted, he was a fucking asshole, it sounds like. Anyway, he played the fucking asshole. We're, we're, go- we're going... <laughs> we're going... We're going to get into a shooting. Uh, yeah, this was this one was very intentional, not yeah. not what happened. To yes. Brandon, so. so the plot centered around the plot of the movie The Crow, mm. uh, centered around a musician who was killed alongside his fiance by a gang and is resurrected a year later as the titular character being The Crow. So basically, Christopher Moltisanti and The Sopranos was totally ripping off The Crow and mm. also gangster movies. Is that correct? I thought they were ripping off uh, Goodfellas. Well, no, 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 Like, do you remember the his film movie Cleaver. Cleaver? Yes. But the whole thing was that this guy came to life, came back to life to avenge his death. And the... I don't... Well, I mean, that's not an original story. No, it's I mean, not. That's, like, even yeah. at this time, I yeah. get it. It's just like, um, <laughs> the crow meets Goodfellas is what Cleaver was meant to be. There you go. That's quite a mashup. <laughs> So, production for the film began on February 1st, 1993 at EUE Screen Gem Studios in Wilmington, North Carolina. Oh, I was going to say, like, Burbank, California. Mm-mm, no, no the film was shot in Wilmington. Couple... Well, you know what? Wilmington... A lot of things are shot in Wilmington. Yes. Uh, Dawson's Creek, very mm-hmm. famously. There's a show that's being shot there right now. Um, yeah, it is. Yep, <laughs> yeah, that's the one. I would hope yeah. they're filming it in North Carolina. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's a... So, if we have any... 
potential actors out there. Uh, Wilmington, North Carolina is not a bad place to set up shop. There's literally productions going on there all the time. Well, and it's the beach too. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's also now, it's also a pretty place to be. It'll until the you know sea levels rise more, but well, until then. So, setting aside Brandon Lee's eventual death during filming, uh, the production itself was surrounded by several other tragedies, either directly or indirectly, and the production of The Crow has a tragic history all on its own, which has since become legend in Hollywood itself. I don't think I know of this. I didn't know any of this until I researched this. It's like Brandon just sort of overshadowed. Pretty much. Or it was like the harbinger of, Mm. you know... So, on the first day of filming, a crane worker on the set accidentally collided with a group of power lines, electrocuting him to the point where his internal organs were burned. Oh my god. He was rushed to the hospital and miraculously survived. Oh, thank god. Jeez. On the same day, we're talking about the first day of production. Day one. Yes. One of your guys gets completely electrocuted, yes. burns his fucking like internal, liver internal and organs. And I don't know how you survived that. No. But he did. Um, so on the same day, an equipment truck accidentally caught on fire and production had to be shut down due to safety concerns. This is like the fucking, um, Spider-Man the Musical shit that happened. Remember when that was going on? I don't. So Spider-Man the Musical, they were creating a Broadway Oh, I kind of do, yes. And like, basically, there are a lot of stun accidents. Murphy's Law of Broadway shows. Yeah. It sounds like the movie version. Of yeah, that. don't do something on Broadway that is done in the movies with CGI. Yeah. Like just well, that's like, that's just a rule, good point. Rule of thumb. Um, a publicist for the film was also involved in a serious car accident away from the production, and thankfully also survived. So that was just sort of peripheral, but mm-hmm. still, well, everybody's surviving so far. So it's shit, but. Yes. Survival rate is high. In early March 1993, a blizzard dubbed the Storm of the Century, which I was also involved in, hit the majority of the east coast of the United States. Including Wilmington? And dropped 30 inches of snow on Wilmington, North Carolina. And the high winds destroyed a lot of the exterior sets. I'm sorry. 30 inches of snow in Wilmington? Mm Mm-hmm. I was in here. Yes, is, would be bizarre. Let alone Wilmington. I was in that blizzard. I was. Um, I was at a hockey tournament in Rochester, New York. Um, Did you get stuck under like twenty-seven? Well, the now? tournament got canceled, and we had to stay an extra day because you couldn't leave. Because, and I'm not even kidding. You could not. See, you could not see your hand like in front of your face. Because the how wind hard. was and there was so much snow. It literally looked like if you were just watching like a snowy static television, Jeez. but it was live outside your window. Jeez. So I feel like thirty inches. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like thirty inches is a record for snow for Wilmington. It's... I'm thinking. I didn't bother looking it up because I'm like it has to be. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just. I didn't even know they got snow <laughs> yeah. physically. Yeah, that storm. Uh, that storm, first of all, killed a lot of people, like yeah. a couple dozen people, and it literally went like pretty much all up, pretty much went like from North Carolina north huh. all the way. I remember getting home, and there's a picture of me doing this. I remember getting home. We couldn't pull into our driveway because there was literally like because of all the gusts and stuff, and mm-hmm. I would say. I would say the snow. Actually, I know for a fact the snow in our driveway was like six or seven feet high, Jesus because I had to. Right. Because I had to snow blow it 
literally in two different layers. I had to. Like I don't. Top. I don't know how I got the snowblower. I had to like how do the top. You? I was you were like sixteen. Sixteen. At this point? Mm-hmm. And there's a picture of me doing this somewhere because because <laughs> I've seen it. Nobody's um, cut out of it though. No, because it's just me. <laughs> I literally had to snowblow like the top. And yeah. then snow blow the bottom. Because well, you can't snow no. blow six feet of snow no. at once. Yeah. No. It was a fucking. Because as soon as we pulled in, I was like, "Well, I'm gonna have to do this." Uh, like yeah. it was just like it's not gonna be. Well, you were probably the only one at home at that point too, right? Like, uh, just... yeah, I was. That's yeah. true. It was just me and my mom at that yeah. point. Yeah. That that's uh, also like we would be remiss. We haven't even mentioned Hurricane Ida. Sorry, that came out so slurred. Hurricane Ida. Oh. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm on my second beer. Hurricane Ida. Hurricane Ida. Hurricane Ida, which killed, I think, 46 is the current death toll. Apparently there were more people in New York City that died than anywhere else. Like, Like, New York City is, like, flooded. I heard that, that, like, um, people who are living in, like, basement Oh, they're they're homeless now. Uh, No, and some people died. died. In some cases, like... Families with little kids and shit. Oh, the like, the the, su- the subway system got flooded. I mean, the people couldn't like were lined up around the block yeah. to get on the bus. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Like, but there's the, uh, it doesn't matter because there's nothing we can do about it. You know? Yeah. 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 Like we couldn't have done anything <laughs> about it twenty years ago. We couldn't nope. have done anything about it forty years ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Like, the, oh, the, the, the shit. Geez. The shit's just here and it's not going anywhere. So we're literally just going to have to live with it. No, it's getting worse. And as I mentioned, oh, I, I agree. the insurance industry is recognizing it as a risk. Yes. And that should show you that it is a real fucking thing. Uh, what should also show you it's a real fucking thing is the Department of Defense considers it a risk as well. So anyway. <sighs> Brandon Lee. Off of our fifth sidetrack. So like just this, this the is production of the law. movie itself. Yeah. Uh-huh. is like legendary which i didn't know until i did research I about that. that no i didn't know it, it either probably got overshadowed by brandon's death mm, it, i think uh yes it did yeah i thought you were gonna say it the other way but yes mm-hmm. brandon's death did overshadow but it, again like people were like it, something bad was gonna happen and unfortunately something did so something horrible happened yes so we're moving on to the death of brandon so on march so he's 28 he's 28 years old 28. Just, mm. just a kid um on March 31st, 1993, Lee was filming a scene where his character, Eric Draven, is shot after witnessing the beating and rape of his fiance. So this is like the initial scene that sets up the rest of the movie where he comes back up, back to life. I've never seen the film. I will freely I have it. not watched it in a while. I think it is on Netflix again. Oh, and I, and after doing that. the research, I have wanted to watch it mm-hmm. to see it. I'm sure it holds up. Um because I remember at the time, especially the filming style was stylistically very different from anything that was out there at the time. Was it edgy, um, kind of? like? It was, you know what? I mean, looking back on it, it was at that time, because we're talking about 1993 technology. Yeah. It's probably the closest thing that you could get to making a movie look like a comic book. Is huh. That's kind of how I remember thinking about it. It was okay. it had that style to it. Hmm. Um. But anyway, before, before comic books adapted, way before, films were going to well, blow up. Before comic book movies became uber yeah. profitable, mm-hmm. which you can't imagine Hollywood without comic book movies today. At this yeah. at this time, adapting comic books into films was literally just like a. Well, they did like Tim a, Burton did Batman. That was big, probably because of the character Superman. itself. Superman. Yes. Just like the big. But ones. you also had smaller, like this one was not well known. No. Uh, Tank Girl. 
huh. you had uh, Pam Anderson did Barbed Wire, which was also oh, like, like it was. I didn't know that was based on a comic mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Oh. So at this time, turning comic books into movies is pretty much a novelty. Like yeah. nobody knows if it's going to work or not. Or at least not. the lesser known ones. Mm-hmm. Like people know Batman, people know Superman, mm-hmm. people don't know Barbed Wire. No, but is that uh, her character's name? Barbed Wire. Barbed Wire. Yes. Um, not Barbie Roberts. And no. isn't it so funny that, that there we, are two Barbie Rob, Roberts at. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, we babysat for children and watched yes. a Barbie show. And off of our sixth uh, tangent. <laughs> Let's move on. So, uh, actor Michael Massey's character, Fun Boy, fires a 44 Magnum Smith & Wesson revolver at Lee as he walks into the room. So it's just like an execution scene, basically, like mm-hmm. a murder scene. A previous scene using the same gun had called for inner dummy cartridges fitted with bullets. Now, stay with me here. I had to literally copy and paste These this part of it. These are blanks, basically, right? Not necessarily. No. We're going to get into that. Inert dummy cartridges. We're going to get into that. Okay. It's kind of hard to understand, but okay. this is how this comes to be. So, the same gun had called for inert dummy cartridges fitted with bullets, but no powder or primer to be loaded in the revolver. Okay. For close-up scenes that use a revolver where the bullets are clearly visible from the front and do not require the gun to actually be fired, dummy cartridges provide a more realistic appearance than blank rounds, which have no bullet. Instead of purchasing commercial dummy cartridges, the the film's prop crew, hampered by time constraints, created their own by pulling the bullets from live rounds. No, no, no. Dumping the powder charge, then reinserting the bullets. So, okay, I'm sorry. They life hacked? They DIY? Kinda, yeah. Well, not kinda, they did. Dummy cartridges. Mm -hmm. So they're not blanks, to be clear. But, well, but, but the idea that it's I've not got, I've a got, live round. I've, trust me, I've got a lot more to go. Okay, like, that's sorry. just the... However, they unknowingly left the live primer in place at the rear of the cartridge. Mm-mm. At some point during filming, the, revol- the revolver was apparently discharged with one of these improperly deactivated cartridges in the chamber, setting off the primer with enough force to drive the bullet partway into the barrel where it became stuck. That oh. condition is noted, known as a squib load. So, like, it jammed the gun? <clears throat> uh, it jammed the prop gun, yes. Okay. Um, the prop crew either failed to notice or failed to recognize the significance of the issue. Okay. In the fatal scene, which called for the revolver to be actually fired at Lee from a distance of 12 to 15 feet, which was the union rules at the time, Nowadays, oh, to, for for safety, for certain even shots, even with a dummy, yes, round, yeah. yeah. Nowadays, you are not allowed to point even a fake gun at an actor. Okay, and if it looks like they are, that's literally done with camera tricks. Okay, you know what? Yeah, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And that's because, because of this, this will never happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the dummy cartridges were exchanged for blank rounds, which feature a live powder charge, but again, no primer, and no bullet thus allowing okay. the gun to be fired without the risk of an actual projectile. Okay. Unfortunately, there's still a projectile jammed into the actual prop. Oh, okay. So, they had this little DIY approach. Mm-hmm. One of them got jammed into the cartridge, but it sounds like they don't know that that happened. They either didn't know or didn't know it was, it a, it was an issue. Right. Yes. One now the they're other. actually loading blanks. Mm-hmm. So it's changing up the style Mm -hmm. and what's going to happen. So here's my, can I, can I take a stab at what's going to happen next? Sure. That the blank is going to shoot the jammed thing. 
projectile towards Brandon. Let's get into that. Okay. So, as the production company had sent the firearms specialist home early, responsibility mm. for the guns were given to a prop assistant who was not aware of the rule, um, or who was either not aware of it or just didn't realize it mattered, <clears throat> to check all firearms before and after any handling. Because yeah, this, this, unjam it! Well, and the other thing is, <clears throat> this particular gun was used in several scenes. Like, the shooting okay. the shooting of this movie, the, the shooting, the filming of this right, movie yeah. <laughs> is almost done at this point. They're, this is the end. They're well. Production. They're filming an opening scene, but films yeah. are shot. Oh, of course, out of sequence, out of sequence all the time. Yeah. So, and I think he only had like two or three more scenes to film. Period. When this happens. Oh my god. Um. So, but they weren't even just like after everything. Okay, let's take it apart. Make sure it's clear. I mean, I'm guessing that now that's a thing. Well, it was a thing then, but again, uh, they, either again. the person in charge didn't mm-hmm. know or was right rushed or something uh human error yes so because the firearm was never checked after the previous handling the barrel was not checked for obstructions when it came time to load it with the blank rounds since the bullet from the dummy round was already trapped in the barrel this caused the 44 magnum bullet to be fired out of the barrel with virtually the same force as if the gun had been loaded with a live round and it struck lee in the abdomen oh my god mortally wounding him Knowing the nature of the scene, the cast and the crew had a delayed reaction to Lee being shot... Because they thought he was acting! ...when he fell to the ground, thinking he was just acting out the scene. Oh my god! Adding to the confusion were fake blasts from a grocery bag prop that Lee was carrying as part of the stunt. Oh. It wasn't until a large pool of blood that formed around Lee made the crew realize that there was something seriously wrong. Holy shit! He was rushed to the New Hanover Regional Medical Center in Wilmington, where he underwent six hours of surgery. However, attempts to save him were unsuccessful, and Lee was pronounced dead at 1.03 p.m. Eastern on March 31st, 1993, at the age of 28. Oh, my God. It is believed that Lee lost as much as 60 pints of blood before getting to the hospital. Before getting to the so that those surgeons he essentially stand died a of chance. he essentially died of blood loss. They they spent six hours just doing their best, mm-hmm. but there was nothing to be done. The shooting was ruled oh an accident. Well, with, of course, which it was. nobody did it intentionally. Yeah. So um, this reminds me. Did you ever hear of the story of Isla Fisher um, on the set of The Magician? I Mm-mm. think it was called No The Magician, The Magicians, something like that. There was there's a scene apparently, and I've never seen the film, but. I've seen this referenced in multiple BuzzFeed articles. (laughs) There was a scene where she was like, you know, like the girl you saw in half or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, she was the girl that was immersed into a tank of water. Mm -hmm. But then they rescue her at the last second as she's running out of breath. Well, apparently something or something like that. Anyway, something happened where she literally was not. The like stunt she didn't drowned. work right. Yes. Yeah. She was very close to drowning. But because her acting would have looked exactly like somebody drowning, somebody drowning exactly, they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And that's like the, like, you got to have, now that I'm in risk management, <laughs> you have to have like 10 contingencies. Like Several. a secret signal. And there, <laughs> I don't know. And there, something. And there probably is, but then you panic and then I mean mm-hmm. who knows, you know? And Yes. I mean when you're doing risky shit, mm-hmm. bad things can happen. Yeah. But that's just Or uh, or it's like you're mm-hmm. gonna dunk her in this tank and you have ten seconds to get the shot right. before we pull her out. Mm-hmm. 
Because you're not going to drown in 10 seconds. Or like you said, like now that shooting anything, it's like you show the gun in one shot, you show the person in another, and never the twain shall Or it can look like somebody's shooting at somebody, but it's just a camera camera trick. Like the camera is angled in a way where it looks like you're shooting right at somebody, but they're they're not. And that literally came because of this. Can you imagine how... Probably to this day, those people are carrying that Well, the, the actor that shot him... Oh um, my god, he st- was just given this prop. Stopped acting like for about a year, and um, I saw an interview with him about it, and he doesn't really talk about it, obviously. Yeah, that's so, he so still has says he still has nightmares about it, and he said he's never seen the film. No! Yeah. Why the fuck would you yeah. ever watch it? Yeah. Oh my god. So, and that's he was in a... This, this guy, he's not a well-known name. He was a... He was a character actor mostly in the nineties. I think he's name? Michael Massey. Okay. He's still around. Um he was always like a bad guy. Like that's every role he played. Was, there are like looks and yes. people and get he had like that, stereotyped. He had yeah. that typecast, but he had that look and he was good at being a bad guy, yeah. so why not? Can you imagine? No, I can't. Because you're told by all the experts around you that this is gonna be fine you and, and you're gonna be fine. And then you like inadvertently so, kill somebody. Yeah. I mean like you you're responsible but you're not responsible. Yeah. But of course you would feel that. Of course way. you would. Yeah. Cuz he's a human yeah. who feels things and yeah. what if I didn't point it out? Like what if I person, what if I know? had checked the gun and like like I'm sure oh all those thoughts God. have gone through his head, but it's it's literally just an accident. Of course. And yes. There's nothing yes, could have It is just an accident. A yeah. tragic horrible accident, but so after Lee's, oh Brandon God. Lee's death, the producers were faced with the decision of whether or not to continue with the film. That has happened with multiple films, with people dying. Lee had completed most of his scenes for the film and was scheduled to shoot for only three more days. So we're the talking re- min- very minimal screen time. Mm-hmm. Oh no, he had a lot. He had just filmed most of his scenes. No, no, no what I'm saying is left. What yes, was left for of him. him was very minimal. Yes. Um, the rest of the cast and crew stayed in Wilmington. And Paramount Pictures, which was initially interested in distri- distributing The Crow, opted out of involvement due to delays in filming and obviously the contra- controversy over the violent content being inappropriate given Lee's death. Because, okay, are you going to get to whether they used the scene? Uh, I am, yes. Okay, okay. okay. Um, however, Miramax picked it up with mm. the intention of releasing it in theaters, because initially this was also supposed to be, I guess, a straight-to-video Oh, really? Movie. It was yes. in the theatrical release? It wound up being, Initially, yes. it wasn't meant to be. No. Huh. Uh, so Miramax picked it up with the intention of releasing it in theaters and injected a further $8 million to complete the production, taking its oh, budget wow. to approximately $23 million. Miramax I'm was a at big the... player in the 90s, too. Still are. Well, yeah. up until recently. Well, because we that was fucking Weinstein, yes. right? Yeah. But, uh, but I was thinking, I'm like, $15 million is a huge budget for a film that's not going to go to theaters, mm-hmm. so maybe they were trying to do something different with this, which I think they were, but anyway... Mm. A new um, model, maybe, of yeah. films? I think maybe that's what they were going for, but who knows. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like early blockbuster days. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast and crew then took a break for script rewrites of the flashback scenes that had yet to be completed. Ugh. Lee's stunt double, Chad Stahelski, was used as a stand-in, and CGI was used to digitally superimpose Lee's face onto the head of the double. Did you watch any of this while you were researching? Mm-hmm, yeah. What, does it hold up? Oh, I didn't watch the movie. I watched no, like no, some clips of the the CGI. Did the CGI uh, hold up? 
I guess. I mean, there there are some CGI in the movie where you're like, eh, like that's like, 1993. Um, what's uh, Carrie Fisher and all the like young Leia in the new movies, where like you can kind you like you can tell if you look at. I'm it. sure it's not as good as that. Like that's that's as okay. good as that's as good as you can get. Like that's well, that's as good as you can get. Like almost 30 years later, yeah. Yes. Um. So the beginning of the movie, which had not been finished, was rewritten, and the apartment scenes remade were remade using a computer graphics from an earlier scene of Lee. This was a first in movie history. Wow. Nobody had ever f- finished a movie where the actor was dead, dead yeah. and they had to CGI his face onto a stunt double. So this is the first yeah. time that, that that ever happened. That's wild. Now I'm sure they have, like, again, insurance provisions mm-hmm. for that shit. So yeah. again, like, the... The earliest scenes where he gets shot were completely rewritten, and since they hadn't been filmed yet, that's the main reason they were rewritten, because they're like, we hadn't filmed yet anyway. So there is the scene of him dying, but not the scene of him getting shot. It's so, it's, okay. it's it's done as like it's done as like a close up. You see a I gun gotcha. firing. It's close up of the it's gun. It's ambiguous in that. It is. But yes. so just to be clear. There is somewhere, or was somewhere, whether they destroyed it or not, footage of the mm-hmm. death, the killing be, of, because of they Brandon were, Lee. Yes, because they were rolling. But yeah. they did not in any way utilize They that. did not. No. Okay, now that, I think, was very good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't, I mean, how how could you? Yeah, in you consciousness, yeah. like, in, in, like, being a human, you yeah. can't. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that in business, they yeah. didn't. Like That's that would good. that would be highly irresponsible. Like that would literally be Again, we're talking about business. Uh, understandably. But, but yes, I'm glad We're they talking about one. business that people actually watch. We're not talking about like some fucking merger and acquisition that's happening but that nobody's, you know what I mean? Like this is something this is art that people are going to see. You know, if, it, if this is something happening behind the scenes, even like, oh, well, whatever. Yeah, maybe, but Oh, uh, there's blood on this paperwork. Well, isn't there blood uh, on every on all paperwork? Blood's on everything. We're fu- the fucking United States of fucking America. But, um, uh... So, okay, go ahead. Uh, so Lee posthumously received praise for his performance mm-hmm. while the film became a critical and commercial success. Mm-hmm. The film opened at number one at the box office on the weekend Jeez. of May 11th, 1994, just over a year after Lee's wow. death. I saw the film the weekend it opened. Um, so you were, like... I was 17. I was visiting my sister and her fiance in Rochester. It's one of the first times I ever got high. And once again, <laughs> did you get high and then go see the crowd? No, after the movie. Oh, okay. But I remember going to see it because I had seen some of Brandon Lee's films on HBO, so I knew who he was. Um, I knew everybody knew he was dead. Like that was kind of part of the promotion of the film. Was like this was his final performance. Did they? Did okay. Did they kind of use that, or was that more like on a viral level back it, then? At that point, like everybody knew, like he was no, already dead. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Like so, so it's they not they, like they put tried it to exploit it. No, they put it in more of a like a memorializing tone. Okay. Like, like this is. Okay. You know. Was his wife cool with that? Uh, he had a fiance at the time. I I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, so he wasn't with Linda anymore. No, 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 wait, that's, that's his mom. Yes, that's his, his mom. Yes. Never mind. He wasn't gay. I'm though. sorry. I'm like now you keep. Uh, yeah. So I now, now we're off on the now we're on wrongly, the tenth tangent. Wrongly. <laughs> um. Okay. So he he was engaged at the time, but he, he was married. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Well, okay, so that that's yeah, I can see that being kind of a gray area of just like, well, what was the because contract? because by the time the film had been released, he'd been dead for a little over a year, so pretty oh, so wow. every, everybody knew he was dead. So there's not as much hashtag too soon, sort of. I don't think so, yeah. and and I think yeah. they approach it and just to me the way the trailer looked, it was just like I want to see this movie. Like it mm-hmm. looks like a cool movie, and mm-hmm. I think that was probably what everybody's intent was, and. Well, it kind of like, honors to the, him. To the few people who knew who Brandon Lee was, because he was not a star yet. Right. Like, he was, like... People knew his dad. Yes. Yeah. And that's mainly how they knew him. Yeah. But this was his... This was going to be his, his breakout, breakout role. role. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, because he had signed a three-picture deal uh, with Paramount. Oh, okay. And this was the first of those those films. So Hollywood that's was so going sad. to... Hollywood was like, okay, we're going to try to make this guy a star. We're, we're going to invest some time and mm-hmm. some money in him to... I'm going and to for, make you a star. for one film, it paid off. Aww. I mean, unfortunately. Um, It'd be interesting. I mean, like... I mean, it would have been so much better even if just... Okay, the first one didn't work out. He was relegated to just being kind of an average Joe the rest of his life. Great! Whatever. He's still alive. You know alive. what? Great. Yeah. He'd be, what, 56 today? Yeah, he would be, yeah. And living, like, a cute life with his wife and kids or whatever. Like, ugh. So the film closed its theatrical run, grossing $94 million worldwide, which would be $171 million today. On a $23 million budget. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. The film has... Excuse me. The film has also achieved, like his other film with Dolph Lundgren, the greatest actor of all time. Yes. Uh, cult status, and to this day, it's not uncommon to see someone dressed as the crow for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And that, That's my like friends, the, the white, the white face, white makeup. face paint with the black, black eyes and yeah. like the line coming the out line, of each eye, yeah. and like the mm-hmm. lines coming out of the bottom of your lips. Okay. the The poster is seminal. It is yeah. like it's an iconic. Uh, the makeup image. is the image is iconic. Like you yeah. see it and like, oh, that's the crow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, maybe if you're you were born after like 1990 or something. Well, apparently like not. Like, because I really I, and it like it said in the article, and I I remember seeing this two years ago for Halloween. I did see somebody dressed as the crow, and I was yeah. like, oh, and yeah, but probably was it somebody older. Who no, it looked know. like it was like yeah, a young kid, yeah, like okay. like probably Fair like enough. 21, 22. Well, you know, cult status can transcend mm-hmm. generations, so. Um, so that, my friends, mm. is the tragic and untimely deaths of Bruce Lee and his son Brandon Lee. That's so fucking sad. Mm-hmm. On both cases, it's just like they were just. Jeez. Oh, Brandon Lee was just getting started. Literally, just like, getting started. Bruce Lee left a legacy behind, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's just. Well, especially because it sounds like Bruce went a little bit more of the martial arts route mm-hmm. and brandon was like you know i'm gonna do my own traditional thing, be hollywood the, be the actor mm-hmm. like and did did he ever develop his martial arts skills at all Past uh well he was, a, he was a he was a he was a choreographer okay so yeah i'm, I'm right. guessing he did well who in his first and, and even in the crow he does some not too much because that's not in the character itself sure uh, but in the other two films I saw, Rapid Fire and Showdown mm-hmm. in Little Tokyo, he, he does stunts. he does a lot of fighting yeah. scenes. So, mm-hmm. and if you're a, a fight choreographer, yeah, that's I'm gonna guess you know what you're doing. You know, well, you're I would, the one saying what I would, happens. I would hope you know yeah. what you're doing. Uh-huh. You know, it's like lying. You know, being a test pilot. So. <laughs> 
It's like, why would you say you're a right. test pilot when you're not? Like, you're, you're just going to die. Yeah. Yeah, basically. But, oh, that's so sad. Was his, so his, was his mom Linda still alive? She is still alive. Yeah, and his She's sister. She's still alive today. Mm-hmm. Oh. And his sister. Yep. Oh my God! Can you imagine them having to go through and I, I both meant to, deaths? I meant to mention this during the Bruce Lee portion, but there is an excellent thirty for thirty documentary mm. on Bruce Lee called Be Water. Okay. Uh, and I did watch it. I I'd known it was out there. I think they is released it, it, but it's excellent. Oh, okay, it's really a lot good. of those thirty for thirties can really be good. really good. And it made me realize, like, what Bruce Lee had to go through during the time period he grew up being an Asian American. Born like in 1940 yeah. in San Francisco. Born at possibly the worst possible time. <laughs> Jesus. You know, to be... Because he was born an American. He grew up yeah. in Hong Kong. Well, but if but he was born, born in America, in San Francisco. he's an American citizen. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he returned to the United States when he was 18. So Well, he had his, like a little triangle mm-hmm. of where he, he grew lived. Up, yeah. He was born in the United States, grew up in Hong Kong, spent unfortunately the little of his adult life that was left yeah in mostly in the united states even though he did go back to hong kong mm-hmm. to do well, several he films. had seattle la and hong kong mm-hmm. he had like his whole little triangle going mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh wow that's uh, and 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 the fact that it's like it's parallel but it's also like some i guess just some health issue underlying health issue that no one could freak thing yep no one could have predicted like we talked about like an aneurysm a freak stunt accident you know it's just i mean stunt accidents happen they they probably happen on every single film hey but like a lot of accidents somebody somebody dying as a result of a stunt accident doesn't happen very often you know it really doesn't you know there are so many things in life that happen and thankfully they're not like massively likely to happen but things do happen in life where it's like one person causes the death of another person but there's no like responsibility Mm -hmm. correlation like the guy who accidentally shot brandon lee Mm -hmm. it's like of course he feels like shit because he's a human person Mm -hmm. he's not a monster and I, I, I always think this to myself, and I tell this to my friends, too. I'm like, if you feel like shit when you do something that's not even your fault, it fucking sucks. But what it means is you're a good person. Yeah. Like, you're you're a normal, good person. You're not a fucking yeah. sociopath or something. Yeah. You're, not, you're not somebody who literally set up a fake university and fleeced people of tens of thousands of dollars that didn't have that money anyway. And then... I do not know what fuckface you're talking about. <laughs> but, you know, and then to have to live with... I, I hope that guy has gone on to just kind of like, you know, because... Well, at least, it, at least be able to deal with it. Well, what it is, you know what it is is nobody's holding anything against you. You have to forgive yourself. Exactly. Like, you have to, you have to let it go kind of sounds like, in the one interview I saw, with it, it kind of sounds like he hasn't done that. Oh, well, I mean, you know. it's so... And it's, I, don't, I don't know how you could. It's one of those things you would tell somebody else, oh, no, it's fine, It'll it's be not okay. your fault. But what would you tell yourself? Yeah. You know... I'd probably have the same reaction as he did. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so tragic. That's so tragic. God, what a fucking downer. This I know. This sucks sometimes. <laughs> Actually, well, it sucks most of the time. Well, it goes to show you, like, you know, 
because we're doing we're, we're, well, we're doing the episode on two people, but yeah, two separate stories. Just goes to show you, like, you know, one is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. Like this feels so much more closer to home because we're talking about well, in this case, two people. Two. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, we've talked about hurricanes where thousands of people died, but they're nameless, faceless I know. It's weird when it's, you home in on it's just, like, an individual. Yeah. yeah. It is very weird when you do that. No, obviously, we're not going to go into the personal stories of 8,000 different people. Because, you can't. Because you can't. Like, that would literally take 8,000 years. Well, not only would it take that time, but their friends, their family, they may not want to do yeah. that. So, when you're doing a story on just... Not a mass casualty. Right. Or on, on just one or two people, it's more personal because... It really is. Because it is. It really is, yeah. And that's the that's the shit thing to think, is that in all of those mass casualty events, there's 3,000 or 10,000 or 500 or It'll whatever never number be remembered. of those mm-hmm. happening. And will never be remembered and never have their well, story out there. And Never. And you know what? Maybe that's their preference. Yeah, maybe. Because I'm not sure that I would want that out there. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Let's hope it never comes to that. God. So (laughs) fucking weird. Life and death and it's just all fucked. And it just, and it it made me think of, especially doing the research for Bruce Bruce Lee when he died at 32, I'm just like, what was I doing at 32? Like fucking, like jack shit. Like fucking older than both of them by a bit. Like nothing. I was like, I was merely existing at 32. Were you trying to break cultural barriers and like be a great representative (laughs) of your culture and a different culture? No, No. of course. Not, not anything close to that. I know. Or were you trying to (laughs) like pave your own way and be your own man? I just like, like what I've always done. I'm just merely trying to survive. Like that's it. You know, that's, that's, that's cool man that's fair enough yeah that's that's all i know how to do you're here yeah you're 44 and you're here Mm -hmm. you know and that's that's something i think about i know this is really fucked but this is this is something i think about like the older i get the more i'm like you know at least I'm not a member of the 27 Club. At least I didn't die when I was 32. You know, like those markers. Well, because age pass. gets put in perspective. A yes. Lot the older you get. You're like, I outlived a bunch of very talented people who died a lot younger you don't, than me. You don't realize how, how young 27 is when you're 27. No, of course You realize not. <laughs> how young it is when you're 44. Yes. You're just like, holy shit. Like and I was, you're going to realize how young 44 I know, is when, when you're I'm 64. 60. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's all fucked. Like, that's just how it goes, yeah. But that's, I mean, but that's that's mm. perspective, you know? It's Damn. it's hard to have... It's, it's, it's sad, and, you know, I almost am wanting to... See, like, the For All Mankind version of, well, what if Bruce Lee and Brandon Lee lived? (laughs) Well, there would have been, if Bruce Lee had lived, there would have been many more martial arts films. Or what would Brandon have done if his dad had lived? Yeah. Would he have maybe just been like, no, I'm not going anywhere near anything you touch? Well, apparently he tried out soccer, so maybe he would have just stayed with that. I mean, who knows? Yeah, you never know. (sighs) So, that's wild. Okay. So that was the deaths of Bruce and Brandon Lee. Don't sound so happy about it. I I was I know. I'm not happy about it. No. That's very sad. It's a very sad story. So let's go drink some more. Yes. Alright. Yep. Cheers. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm Rachel. I'm David. We'll see you next week.